1 verse 14 and Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 to 6. As with all close personal relationships, we can surely count on God to speak to each of us when and as it is appropriate. But what does this really mean, and how does it work in practice? I hope in the following pages to give a clear and workable answer to these questions. There is no avoiding the fact that we live at the mercy of our ideas. This is never more true than with our ideas about God. Meaning well is not enough. Those who operate on the wrong information are likely never to know the reality of God's presence in the decisions which shape their lives, and will miss the constant divine companionship for which their souls were made. My strategy has been to take as a model the highest and best type of communication that I know of from human affairs, and then place this model in the even brighter light of the person and teaching of Jesus Christ. In this way, it has been possible to arrive at an ideal picture of what an intimate relationship with God is meant to be, and also come to a clear vision of the kind of life where hearing God is not an uncommon occurrence. To take this ideal picture seriously is to exclude all tricks, mechanical formulas, and gimmickry for finding out what God wants one to do. We cannot reduce it to a device that we use to make sure we are always right. Indeed, I hope to make it clear that the subject of hearing God cannot be successfully treated by thinking only in terms of what God wants us to do, if that automatically excludes, as is usually assumed, what we want to do and even what we want God to do. Hearing God is but one dimension of a richly interactive relationship, and obtaining guidance is but one facet of hearing God. It may seem strange, but being in the will of God is very far removed from just doing what God wants us to do. So far removed, in fact, that we can be solidly in the will of God and be aware that we are without knowing God's preference with regard to various details of our lives. We can be in His will as we do certain things without our knowing that He prefers these actions to certain other possibilities. Hearing God makes sense only in the framework of living in the will of God. When our children, John and Becky, were small, they were often completely in my will as they played happily in the backyard. Though I had no preference that they should do the particular things they were doing there or even that they should be in the backyard instead of playing in their rooms or having a snack in the kitchen. Generally speaking, we are in God's will whenever we are leading the kind of life He wants for us. And that leaves a lot of room for initiative on our part, which is essential. Our individual initiatives are central to His will for us. Of course, we cannot fail to do what He directs us to do and yet still be in His will. And quite apart from any specific directions He may give us, there are many ways of living and being that are clearly not in His will. The Ten Commandments given to Moses are so deep and powerful on these matters that if humanity followed them, daily life would be transformed beyond recognition, and large segments of the public media would collapse for lack of material. Consider a daily newspaper or television newscast, and eliminate from it every report that presupposes a breaking of one of the Ten Commandments. Very little will be left. But one who inquires seriously after God's guidance must never forget that even if one was to do all the particular things God wants and explicitly commands us to do, one might still not be the person God would have one be. It is always true that 
The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. An obsession merely with doing all God commands may be the very thing that rules out being the kind of person that He calls us to be. Jesus told a parable to make clear what God treasures in those who intend to serve Him. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Luke chapter 17, verses 7 to 10. Compare Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. The watchword of the